Hello and welcome to the First Baptist Church of LaGrange. What an honor it is to have you listening to our church broadcast today. We hope that as you listen along, following in your Bible, that you experience the grace and presence of Christ just as strongly as we do every Sunday in our worship service. May God truly bless you as you listen. If you would, repeat after me, God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. Amen. God is good. You know, words are powerful. Words have the ability to help. They have the ability to heal, to build up, to encourage, and to inspire. But words also have the ability to hinder. They have the ability to hurt, to do harm to humiliate, and to destroy. Words have the power to change lives. You remember when you went for that first job interview and you heard the words, you're hired? Changed some things in your life, didn't it? Maybe when you applied to the university of your dreams and you received that letter in the mail that said, Mr. So-and-so or Miss So-and-so, welcome to blank university. To the mar- all the married couples here, when you heard the words or maybe you said the words, will you marry me? And then you heard the words, yes, or I will. And then you stood before someone, pastor, maybe a justice of the peace, and they asked, do you take so-and-so to be your lawfully wedded husband or lawfully wedded wife? And you said the words, I do. Your life changed forever. As Jacob mentioned to fathers, when you were approached for the first time by your wife and she said, I'm pregnant, things changed. Or when you were in that delivery room, or maybe even waiting outside in the hallway, and that doctor comes out and they said, it's a boy or it's a girl, life was forever changed Or maybe even that when you uttered the words to yourself, I'm a father or I'm a mother, things changed. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday, and we will celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? You see, but before we can get to Easter Sunday, we have to go through Good Friday. You see, you cannot have the resurrection of Jesus without first going through the crucifixion of Jesus. And so this morning, I want you to take a trip with me. I want you to go back with me over 2,000 years to Jerusalem. I want you to go back with me to that very first Good Friday. And I want you to go with me to the foot of the cross. You see, it's at the foot of the cross that we will hear, as one evangelist said, quote, the greatest words ever uttered by the greatest man who ever lived, end quote. So if you would this morning, turn with me in your Bibles to the Gospel of John, chapter 19. The Gospel of John, chapter 19. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one there in the seat in front of you. And if, again, if you don't have a Bible, please see me after church, and I would love to get you a Bible this morning, we're going to be in the Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 30. One verse today. If you would, would you stand with me in honor 
of the reading of God's word. The Gospel of John, chapter 19, verse 30. Therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he says, it is finished. And he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. Would you pray with me again? Father, may you be glorified now in the proclamation of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated and may the Lord bless the reading and hearing of his word. In the time that we have remaining this morning, let us consider these three words. It is finished. With these three words, everything changed. Everything changed when Jesus uttered these three words. And so in the time that we have remaining this morning, I want to pose to you two questions. What exactly did Jesus mean when he said, it is finished? And then secondly, what does that mean for you and for me? Before we can answer these two questions, we must address the words themselves. You see, in our English translations, we read, it is finished, three words. However, in the Greek, it is simply one word. And that word is the Greek word tetelestai. Tetelestai. Tetelestai means it is finished or also it is accomplished. You see, the word tetelestai was used by various people and in various settings in Jesus' day. It was a word that servants used. Upon completing a task assigned to them by their master, a servant would return to his master and would say, Tetelestai, it is finished, or I have accomplished the task that you have assigned to me. It was also the words that a priest would use. You see, one of the duties of a priest was to take in the sacrificial offerings and to examine the animal before it was sacrificed to make sure that it was spotless. And upon completing his task, to see that it was spotless, he would say, Tetelestai, it is finished or it is accomplished. It is also a word that an artist would use. Once the final stroke of his brush was done on his canvas and his masterpiece was complete, the artist would then say, Tetelestai, it is finished. It was also a word that soldiers would use. Soldiers, upon returning victorious from battle, would say, Tetelestai, it is finished. But the most common use of the word Tetelestai was that that was used by the merchants. It was a word that was used during business transactions. As an individual would pay off the remaining balance of his debt, he would say the word Tetelestai. Do you see, when Jesus cried out, Tetelestai, this was not a cry of defeat. It was not a sigh of resignation of the fact that his life on earth had come to an end. The Gospel of John does not speak to the tone in which Jesus uttered these words, but in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, we read that Jesus uttered a loud cry just before his death. And it is likely that after this loud cry, this was the words that came out of his mouth, Tetelestai. You see, when Jesus cried out Tetelestai, it was a cry of victory. It was the cry of one who had realized that he had, he had fully accomplished the work that he had been sent to do. 
So the first question this morning, what did Jesus mean when he said, to Telestai, it is finished? What exactly was finished? The first thing that was finished was that the prophecies concerning his death were now completed. Throughout the Old Testament, you will find prophecies that speak not only of the coming and the birth of the Messiah, but also of his suffering and of his death. In the book of Zechariah, we read of what would be the triumphal entry into Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. In the book of Isaiah, we find the fact that the Messiah would be hated, that he would be rejected by his own people. In the book of Psalms, we would read that he would be betrayed by a friend. Isaiah also speaks to the fact that he would be numbered amongst the transgressors. Psalm 22 speaks of the fact that the Messiah would be pierced through his feet and through his hands, and that also that soldiers would divide his garments and cast lots for his clothes. You see, the suffering, the bleeding, the dying on the cross, each of these prophecies were fulfilled on that first Good Friday. Again, look with me at verse 30. Therefore, When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Now, I want you to notice the very first word in this passage. It says, therefore. Now, remember what has Pastor Steve taught us when we read Scripture. When you see a therefore in Scripture, you're to ask what? What it's there for, right? So, What is it there for? Well, we have to back up a couple of verses into 28 and 29. It says, after this, Jesus, knowing that all things had already been accomplished to fulfill the scripture, said, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of sour wine upon a branch of hyssop and brought it up to his mouth. Again, now remember, when Jesus said it was finished, He's meaning all of the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning his death were accomplished. Back in Psalm chapter 69, verse 21, the Bible says, They also gave me gall for my food, and for my thirst they gave me vinegar to drink. You see, when Jesus said, I'm thirsty, and they gave him that last drink, this was the final prophecy to be fulfilled. So then Jesus could cry out, to Telestai. What else was he talking about when he said to Telestai? Jesus was saying that the suffering was now coming to an end. And the suffering that Jesus experienced on the cross could be broken up into three different types of suffering. It most certainly was a mental or an emotional type of suffering that Jesus experienced on the cross. And it actually had started prior to the cross. If you would, go back with me into the Garden of Gethsemane. If you look in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 14, verses 32 through 36, the Bible says, they came to a place named Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, sit here until I have prayed. And he took with him Peter, James, and John and began to be very distressed and troubled. And he said to them, my soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch. 
And he went beyond them and he fell to the ground and he began to pray that if it were possible that the hour might pass him by. And he was saying, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus was in such anguish that as he was praying, he was sweating drops of blood. Consider this for a moment. Jesus had to live every day of his life with the knowledge that ultimately this is where he would end up at the cross. Can you feel the weight of that? So many people say, oh man, I I wish I knew what the future held for me. I wish I knew what my future was. I don't know if we really do wish that. But Jesus knew exactly where the road that he was headed would lead him. Imagine the pain that Jesus felt for his mother Mary. As Jesus hangs up there on the cross, his mother is right there. She is watching the death of her firstborn child occur right before their very eyes. Parents, think about that for a moment. Put yourself in Mary's position and imagine having to watch the death of your firstborn child right before your eyes and you can do nothing to stop it. Jesus had to watch his mother suffer what no parent should ever have to experience, and that is the death of their child. When Jesus cried to Telestai, he was saying that the mental, the emotional suffering was finished. He was also saying that the physical suffering was finished as well. Remember, think back with me. Jesus, prior to coming to the cross, was stripped of his garments. Soldiers spit in his face. They took reeds or clubs and they beat him. They placed a crown of thorns on his head and then drove it into his skull. They beat him until he was unrecognizable. Isaiah in chapter 52 verse 14 prophesied of this hundreds of years before it occurred. Jesus endured scourging before he went to the cross. You've seen the whips. You've seen how at the end of those whips, at the end of the strands, they would have either pieces of sharpened stone or even bone, sometimes metal. And as they would whip the individual's back, it would stick into it and they would rip it out and flesh was torn from the Messiah's back. I'm sure most of you in here today have seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ. And I'll tell you every time I've seen it, We have a tradition in our house. Every uh, Good Friday evening, we watch The Passion of the Christ. And as our boys or our kids get to be about 13, we let them then watch it. And then we watch it every year. And when it gets to that part where they scourge him, that's the hardest part of the movie to watch, in my opinion, because that's probably the best portrayal that we have of what scourging looked like. He went through that prior to the cross. 
I love the words of the great 19th century Baptist preacher, Charles Spurgeon, when he said, quote, men will never spit in his face again. The Roman soldiers will never scourge him again. Judas, where are you? Behold the Christ sitting upon his great white throne, the glorious king who wants the man of sorrows. Now Judas, come and betray him with a kiss. What, man, dare you not? Come, Pilate, and wash your hands in pretended innocence and say now that you are guiltless of his blood. Come, you, scribes and Pharisees, and accuse him. O you Jewish mob and gentle rabble, newly risen from the grave, shout now, away with him, crucify him. But see, they flee from him. They cry to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne. Yet that is the face that more marred than any man's, the face of him whom they once despised and rejected. Are you not glad to think that they cannot despise him now, that they cannot ill-treat him now, end quote. End quote. You see, when Jesus cried to Telestai, he declared that it was an end to the physical suffering. It was an emotional and mental suffering. It was a physical suffering, but it was also a spiritual suffering that Jesus experienced on the cross. Words cannot begin to express the agony that Jesus went through from noon until three o'clock that Friday. During those hours that the sky went dark and the sun hid its light. You see, it was during this time that Jesus uttered those most famous words in Mark chapter 15, verse 34. At the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, meaning, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, it was at this very moment that the Father cast all of the sins of mankind upon his only begotten Son. All past, present, and future sins were laid upon the Savior in that moment. All of the idolatry, all of the adultery, all of the blaspheming, all of the stealing, all of the rape, all of the murder, all of the hatred, all of the violence, and all of the immorality were laid upon the shoulders of Jesus in that moment. Though Jesus hung on the cross for only six hours, in those six hours, he suffered an eternity of hell. You see, in those six hours, Jesus took our sin. He took our suffering. He took our shame. He took our separation from God, and he took our punishment. I love how one commentator said it. He said, quote, he died an infinite death, paying for an intimate amount of sin, end quote. You see, for the first time in his life, the relationship that existed between himself and the Father was severed. Hence why, for the first time, you see him not refer to him as Father, but he says, my God, my God, 
Can you imagine how alone that Jesus must have felt on that cross in that moment? I love the words of Dr. Adrian Rogers when he said, quote, when David walked through the valley of the shadow of death, he could say, I will fear no evil for you are with me. But yet when Jesus walked through that valley, he had to walk it alone. And church, he walked that valley for you and for me. And why? Because he loved us. Because he loved us. When my son Grayson, who's now 14, when he was a little boy, probably two, three years old, as I would drive him to daycare each day, I would ask him a series of questions as we were driving. And I would say, Grayson, why did God make you? And I had taught Grayson to the answer to say, for his glory. And I would say, Grayson, what did Jesus do for you? And in his little voice, he would say, he died on the cross for my sins. And I would say, that's right, Grayson. He died on the cross for your sins. And why did he die on the cross for your sins? And he'd say, because he loved me. Jesus walked that valley. He went through the suffering. Why? Because he loved us. When Jesus cried to Telestai, it meant that the time of spiritual suffering had come to an end. What did it mean when he cried to Telestai? It meant that the prophecies of the Old Testament had been fulfilled. It meant that the suffering had come to an end. And thirdly, it meant that his mission was complete. The debt of sin was paid and the path uh, to salvation had been cleared. The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans chapter 6 verse 23 tells us, for the wages of sin is what? Death. What is a wage? A wage is a payment that you receive for doing a job. So the payment for sin is death. Man, if Paul just ended there, that would be a little bit depressing. But praise God, he didn't. The verse continues. But the free gift of God is eternal life in who? Christ Jesus, our Lord. When Jesus died on that cross, all that was necessary for you and for me to be forgiven of our sins and to be saved was accomplished. That is why we are no longer required to offer animal sacrifice on account of our sins because Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. He was the perfect Lamb of God. There is nothing left for us to do in regards to the forgiveness of our sins except to receive what Christ has already done for us. Jesus is the great Redeemer. He bought our freedom. Again, it reminds me of a good old hymn. Jesus paid it all. All to what? Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. But he what? Washed it white as snow. You see, when Jesus cried out to Telestai, he was saying that his life was now finished. He was ready to breathe his last breath. He had accomplished all that his father had given him to do. Jesus had actually stated this earlier, a day or so earlier, in his high priestly prayer. 
which we find in the Gospel of John chapter 17. John 17 verse 4, Jesus said, speaking to the Father, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. To Tetelestai meant that the prophecies of the Old Testament concerning Jesus were fulfilled, that his suffering had come to an end, that his mission was complete, and that Satan himself was now defeated and finished. You see, at the cross, a fatal blow was struck to the power of Satan. John chapter 12, verse 31, Now judgment is upon this world. Now the ruler of this world will be cast out. You see, at the cross, Satan was stripped of his power. He was stripped of his dominion. To use a football metaphor, Jesus came to Satan's home field, and he defeated him on his home field. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, the Bible says, The one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Amen? You see, he is a defeated enemy. He is a defeated enemy. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same. And through death, he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil. So you see, Scripture is clear. Christ's work on the cross stripped Satan of his power. Satan has no power over the people of God. Hear me when I say this, church. The, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, the only power that Satan has over you is the power which you allow him to have over you. On the cross, when Jesus cried out, Tetelestai, he was saying that the victory has been won. Yes, in this life, there are battles that we must fight. There are many battles. But the war has already been won. The war was won on that first Good Friday. Because of Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, we can live victoriously, not just in the next life, but in this life. On the cross, the head of the serpent was crushed. James 4, 7 through 8 tells us, Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he might flee from you? No, he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hand, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now again, hear me. While Satan's power was stripped at the cross, we must never underestimate him. He still is a powerful being. Do not underestimate him, but also don't fear him. Don't underestimate him, but don't fear him. Second question. When Jesus cried out to Telestai, what, is that, what does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? First, it means that we are spared from the wrath of God. Romans 5 verse 9, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him, meaning Jesus. 
Because of the blood of Jesus, all who would place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ stand innocent before God Almighty. And the blood of Christ covers all of our sins. The wrath that was meant for you and the wrath that was meant for me because of our sins was poured out upon Jesus Christ on the cross. And because of him, we will be spared from the wrath of God. What does it mean for you and me? Not only that we'll be spared from the wrath of God, but that we can experience salvation. Again, we can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You remember when Jesus died, the veil in the temple was torn from top to bottom. The veil that separated the, t- the rest of the temple from the Holy of the Holies, the place where it was believed that God dwelt, the curtain was torn, symbolizing that now there is no separation. No longer is man kept from God Almighty. No longer do we have to go through a human intermediary to get to God. The high priest is no longer necessary because we can go directly to the Father. The only intermediary that is needed now is the Son, Jesus Christ. That is why we pray in Jesus' name because he is the intermediary. Our salvation is not dependent upon what we do, but what Jesus has already done for us on the cross. The Greek word to telestai is in the perfect tense, which means it describes an action that happened in the past, but the effects of that action are continually felt in the present. So even though Jesus died over 2,000 years ago, we are still feeling the effects of that today, and we will continue to feel those effects until he returns. There was once an evangelist who had been approached by a flippant young man who had asked, what must I do to be saved? The evangelist replied, it's too late, and went about his work. The young man became very alarmed by this and said, do you mean that it's too late for me to be saved? Is there nothing that I can do? And the evangelist repeated again, too late, because it's already been done. The only thing that you can do is believe. Dwight L. Moody was a great evangelist who lived in another era. He was the Billy Graham of his day. And he was once on a train, and the engineer of that train was a very religious man. And he heard that Moody was on the train, and so he sent word through the conductor and said, why don't you get Moody to come up here to my cab and ride with me? And so D.L. Moody went up into the cab, and they rode together. And as they were riding, they began to discuss religion. And this man talked about how he thought he was going to be saved by his ritual, by his good works, and by his commandment keeping, and so forth. He also believed that Jesus died on the cross, but he thought it was what Jesus did plus his works. Moody, of course, realized that when Jesus died, he said, it is finished. So finally, when they finished the end of the ride, D.L. Moody said, I'll tell you the difference between your plan of salvation and the Bibles. The way I spell salvation and the way you spell salvation. You see, you spell salvation D-O. Do. 
but I spell salvation D-O-N-E. Done. If you depend upon works of any kind for assurance of your salvation, you will never know if you are saved because you'll always be wondering, have I done enough? Are the scales tipped into my favor? Have I done more good than bad? If you're looking for works as assurance of salvation, you will never find it. But when you know that Jesus died on the cross and that he paid in full your debt of sin, when you trust in his words, it is finished. You don't ever have to doubt your salvation because you're not trusting in yourself. You're trusting in him. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, Apostle Paul tells us, for by grace you have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God and not as a result of what? Works so that no man may boast. What does it mean to telestai for you and for me? It means that we no longer have to fear death. In John chapter 11, 25 and 26, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? And then the apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 54 through 57. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on the immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through who? Our Lord Jesus Christ. Right after this, Jesus said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So too can we, followers of Christ, as we face death, we can do so with the same confidence and with the same peaceful spirit as Jesus. What does Tetelestai mean for you and for me? It also means that we're no longer enslaved to sin. Romans chapter 6, 6 through 7, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be what? Slaves to sin. For he who has died is what? Freed from sin. Romans 8, 2, for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of of sin and death. Now, I want to be clear, this does not mean that once you come to faith in Jesus Christ, that you will no longer fall prey to temptation and fall into sin. That's not what it means. Even after coming to faith in Christ, we're still susceptible to temptation. We're still, still susceptible to falling into sin. But what it means is now it's a choice. If we fall into temptation, if we fall into sin, it's because we have chosen to go there. But we are no longer bound. Once you come to faith in Jesus Christ, you are no longer bound to your sin because Christ in us has given us the power to say no to sin. To Tetelestai. It is finished. Again, quoting from Dr. Adrian Rogers, quote, the words that echoed 
throughout heaven to Telestai. The words that echoed throughout heaven and also at the same time devastated the foundations of hell, end quote. To Telestai, the words that changed everything. Words have power. They have the power to change the course of a person's life. And so I ask you today in closing, have you allowed the words of Jesus Christ to change the course of your life? The Bible teaches that each of us are on a road that because of our sin leads to destruction, to eternal separation in a place called hell. However, God has provided man with an exit off of this highway to hell. And that exit is found only in the saving work of Jesus Christ upon the cross. I wonder if there's anyone here today, anyone watching online or listening over the radio, they would say, Pastor, I know that I'm on that highway to hell and I'm moving fast and furious. But man, I want to get off this highway. If so, I want you to know that Jesus has cleared a path for you to exit that highway. All you have to do is accept his invitation to follow him. It's so simple. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 10, 9 through 10 and then verse 13 tells us that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and that if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you what? will be saved. For with the heart a person believes, resulting in righteousness, and with the mouth he confesses, resulting in salvation. For whoever will call upon the name of the Lord, what? Will be saved. The exit is there. You just have to take it. But maybe you're here today watching online or listening over the radio, and you've already placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. But maybe you're here today as a believer and you find yourself caught in the bondages of sin. Maybe you find yourself continually falling into a certain sin. I want to remind you again today, that doesn't have to be your life. Because of Tetelestai, you do not have to be bound to that sin. Do not allow the devil to convince you that you have to be bound to that sin. Never forget that greater is he that is in you. Jesus cried out to tell us that it was to free us from those bondages. If you want to find salvation today, you can. If you want God to give you new life today, you can. If you want God to deliver you from whatever sin you continually find yourself bound up in, he can and he will. As the moment of his death approached, Jesus cried out from the cross to tell us it is finished. It was the cry of victory from our Savior's lips. And that victory can be ours today if we would just embrace it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God.
Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you went through that agony. That literally, Lord, you went through hell so that we would not have to. Thank you, Jesus, that you cried out to Telestai that it is finished. That we are free from the bondages of sin. That we, if we place our faith and trust in you, no longer have to experience the wrath of God. Lord, today, during this time of invocation, I pray that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand?